0: And welcome to the Amazing Bible. Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today's lesson covers chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, and here Paul is talking about taking up the promised collection for the church in Jerusalem. Now, before we get into these chapters, I want to do a quick background of what's going on here. Now, Paul the Apostle was a Jewish Pharisee, a religious leader who understood the law of the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 7 verse 58, we learn that Paul was a young man at the time of Stephen's death, the first Christian martyr that we have record of, which Paul was in hearty agreement with. Paul saw the Christians as blasphemous, and he did not understand that Jesus was the Messiah until Christ spoke to him on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. After Paul encountered the risen Lord Jesus, he became an evangelist. He always went to the Jews first because that was his background, and the Christian faith is based upon the Jewish scriptures. But because he understood the scriptures so well, he clearly understood that the good news of Jesus, the gospel, was for all people. He also clearly understood that a person did not have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian, for the righteous shall live by faith, not by the law. This made some Jews very upset. The Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles like he had with the Jews, and Peter came and reported to the church in Jerusalem what God had done, Acts chapter 11. One of the established churches ended up north of Jerusalem in Antioch, Syria. It was here that believers in Jesus were first called Christians. Verse 26. During this time, a prophet from Jerusalem came to Antioch and declared that there would be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius so the believers in Antioch as they had means determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brothers living in Judea and Barnabas and Saul which is Paul's Hebrew name took the offering to Jerusalem this was the first time we heard about taking up an offering for the church in Jerusalem now on Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey They were evangelizing first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles in Gentile lands. So we do not have a record of asking for money as they were starting churches. After the first trip came the council at Jerusalem, which declared that Gentiles did not need to become Jews in order to become Christian. But this was a hotly debated issue. This is found in Acts chapter 15. During Paul's second missionary journey, Paul went farther than before and ended up in Macedonia and then to southern Greece. He went around the Aegean Sea. They visited churches that had already been established and started new ones. Corinth was a new one that Paul and his companions started. If you remember, after Paul left Corinth, he sent a letter that we do not have record of. And the church sent him a letter that asked him questions. So his second letter to them is what we would call 1 Corinthians. In this letter, chapter 16, verse 1, Paul wrote, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, which is northern Turkey, so do you also. Now after this letter, we know from Second Corinthians that Paul had a painful visit with the church at Corinth, which Acts does not record, and then he wrote a sorrowful and severe letter which was sent by Titus. Paul met up with Titus after that and rejoiced that the church had received Paul's letter and repented, as well as dealt with at least one troublemaker. Paul is now writing 2 Corinthians to remind them of his third visit to them before he goes to Jerusalem with the offering. Now chapters 8 and 9 deal with the church's offering. One thing that Murray J. Harris mentioned in his commentary is that the word grace is used 10 times in these two chapters. The Greek word is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S but it can be translated with different words. In these two chapters, we see it as grace, privilege, offering or active of grace, grace of giving, and thanks. They are found in chapter 8, verse 1, verse 4, verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, verse 16, verse 19, and then chapter 9, verse 8, verse 14, and verse 15. According to David C. George, Paul led his Gentile mission churches to give offerings to be sent to the Jewish brothers. This told the Jews of the depth of Christianity among the Gentiles. It also reminded the Gentiles of the spiritual debt to the Jews who shared God's revelation with them. One other thing that George mentioned was that Paul never used the term money in his entire discussion of the gift. J.R. Beasley Murray said, Paul employs a variety of terms, grace, service, communion in service, a munificence, which is a display of great generosity, a blessing, almsgiving, offering, and sacrifice. Now, in verses 1 through 6, Paul told the church that the churches of Macedonia were also giving. Some of the cities mentioned in Acts in that area are Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. In verse 6 of chapter 8, we see that when Titus was with them, he had begun the collection, which Paul had mentioned in 1 Corinthians, and now the hope is that they will finish it. In verse 9, Paul gave Jesus as an example. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Then in verses 10 through 15, Paul encouraged them to complete their gift, since they have a surplus of money and the Jewish church did not. They were to give what they could afford for the sake of equality. In verses 16 through 24, Paul commends Titus for his act in helping to receive the gift, and then an unnamed brother was sent with him. The plus about the other brothers going with Titus was accountability, and these men were above board in handling these funds. Murray J. Harris suggested, Why are both the brothers who would accompany Titus mentioned without identification? Either because both were personally introduced by Titus when the present letter was first read at Corinth, or because both delegates, as renowned appointees of the Macedonian churches, were already well known at Corinth, whether or not they had visited the city. In verse 23, we see a distinction that Titus is a partner and fellow worker with Paul, and then the brethren are messengers of the churches. Then Paul adds, Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. Paul then continued in chapter 9 about how he had bragged about the churches in Achaia southern Greece, the area of Corinth, at how they had been collecting since last year and hearing about their zeal encouraged Macedonians to give. So Paul sent these men early so that the gift would be ready and they would not be embarrassed by not having it. In verses 6 and 7 we get guidelines of how to give. First, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should decide in his heart how much to give. It should not be out of guilt or out of a necessity of the need, for God loves a cheerful giver. Ladies, we are not to allow other people to control us on how much we give. We are not to give out of guilt, but in obedience to the Lord and with gladness. Verses 8 through 12 reminds me of a phrase my dad would always say You can't outgive God. When we are a blessing to others, God blesses us in return. Verses 13 and 14 read Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contributions to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Paul is saying that when the Jerusalem church receives this gracious gift, they will glorify God for the Gentile churches, and they will be encouraged to pray for them even more with a desire to know the Gentile churches better. Murray J. Harris said, notice that praise is offered less for the gift itself than for the spiritual virtues of the donors expressed in the gift. Verse 15 reads, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. G.R. Beasley Murray asked, what is this gift? Is it Christ who's giving lies at the heart of that gospel which provokes men to give as God gave when he gave up his son to reconcile divided humanity? Is it the gift of that fellowship in which all men, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, become one? Is it the surpassing grace of God, which produces in the Gentiles the fruit of gracious giving after the pattern of God's own sacrificial giving? One other thing to ponder is that there is no reference in Acts about the gift from the Gentile churches. It is also interesting to note that Titus is not mentioned in Acts. Keep in mind that Luke was writing with the purpose of telling the life of Paul and his journey to Rome and how the gospel message started in Jerusalem, went to Judea and Samaria, and then to the outer parts of the earth. And this gift was not necessary to tell that story. Remember that we have a limited view of all that happened in the life of the early church and of Paul. But we are given all that we need to know. So ladies, how is your heart with regards to giving? Are you stingy or generous? Do you give out of guilt or pressure? Or do you decide in your heart what to give and stick to that? God cares more about your heart than he does the gift. Yet our giving also reveals a lot about what is going on in our heart. If you heard the voice of the Lord today, please don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who pray, give, and obey. Until next time, and thank you so very much for listening.